I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Alex, there's a lot going on, so I think we're just going to jump right into it. Let's get into some Thunder News. Oh, Thunder News. Thunder news, thunder news. What about Andrew? Story number one. Yes. Antonio Daniels is leaving the thunder. Ah, that really just, it's sad on multiple levels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, one level is that he's replacing David Wesley as the color analyst for the Pelicans local TV broadcast. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, why couldn't he do that uh, for us? Right. <laughs> but he'd be pretty good at that. I probably would have enjoyed that. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, he's very good at his job. He was very good at criticizing the Thunder in the right ways. Uh, yeah. And he's incredible. And he's like become my friend, too. And he's like, my, he's like the only NBA player I could ever call my friend. And now he's just leaving. And I'm just like, that. You you gave me some credibility here, and now you're leaving. Like, come on. Yeah, it's tough because <laughs> I, I I didn't watch. I don't have Fox Sports Oklahoma, so I didn't get to see him that much. But just from his Twitter presence and the fact that he was willing to appear on like random fan podcasts, <laughs> right? Let me know that he was like a pretty cool guy. He's a cool guy, and he was like excited to be on those <laughs> podcasts, I know. which I always respected very much. <laughs> He's the man. He's just straight up the man. Uh, so he'll the be Pelicans missed. are just creating a juggernaut. I'm excited for him. That's going to be a fun team to cover. I mean, yeah, it will be. I mean, good, good for him to go get that opportunity. And is it true? I was listening to uh, Mark Stein yesterday. They have the Pelicans brought on the Phoenix medical training staff too. Yes. It's man. It's a super team over there. <laughs> They're like doing everything right, and the. If you're the Lakers, or if I'm a Lakers fan, and you had a chance to get David Griffin as your GM, and you're watching what he's doing now, you're just kind of... And he extracts everything he can from your team. You're like, what is going... Why didn't we get this guy? Like, he clearly knows what he's doing. And not just David Griffin, but this should be a lesson to all these poorly run franchises that, like... What Gail Benson is doing is just giving it to someone smart and letting them do everything, which did not seem to be what was going on previously. Yep. And uh, yeah, and she's done a great job. Like she identified who she wanted to bring in and just let him take the reins and make all the decisions. And he asked them for like a new practice facility and she signed off on it. He brought in a new training staff, which had always been an issue in New Orleans because they were sh- sharing a training staff with the New Orleans Saints. Yep. And so, shouts to her too. Shouts True, to her. and that's—I mean, frankly, that's what the Thunder did when they yeah. came to Oklahoma City. They just, they had Sam Presti, like, all right, do your thing. Um, all right, 
More Thunder news? Uh, next piece of Thunder news. Story number two. Andrew, we're getting some new jerseys. Yeah. New jerseys. These are a Sunset Orange remix of the Blue Statement jerseys last year. So those are the ones with like the stylized lines on the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are actually going to be replaced. Those are being retired. It's kind of a bummer. Those are much – the new ones are cool, but those were much cooler, I thought. Yeah, I thought those were more unique. I mean, we've seen a sunset orange jersey, and other than the lettering on the front, it's not much different from those old sunset jerseys. Right. Um, although it's weird. Like the initial – I think it was from like Dick's Sporting Good or Athletic Village maybe. The initial image – I really liked the color, mm-hmm. and then I was reading the News OK story on it, and it was like it looked redder, and I didn't like it as much. Huh. But if if, it, if they say it's sunset orange, I, I know what that color is. I like that color. So right. And and they still have two more jerseys to be released. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope they keep that uh, teal Native American ish one. Like yeah, one was... you would think they would keep that. Yeah. I mean that that barely we we barely saw it last year. Right. I mean honestly, the the sunset one that like that should be the logo. Like that should be the brand. Just OKC. Yeah. You know. Cuz now like you, you have the you have the white one that has Oklahoma City and the blue one that says Thunder cuz they wanted to switch them. And I know that like you want to keep those things for a long time and like people just get used to them, but like they're just bad. Like they're just bad. Like they're just plain bad. It's been 11 years. Like we know they're 11 bad. long years. We know they're bad. And we can look at these new ones and be like, those are good. Those are cool. They're cool. Why don't we just keep those? You know, but whatever. Are there any like, I don't know, like dream colors or design ideas you would have, Andrew, if you could design your own jersey? Oh, I mean, to me, it's just a complete rebrand, you know. Yeah. Based on like you could use like you could use the bison and in cool ways, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that you could do. But what what about clear jerseys? What do you think about that? Just, just letting it all hang out. <laughs> I think Westbrook would like it. Westbrook would like that. It's edgy. It is very edgy. <laughs> you get to see his nips all game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know who would not have liked that while he was here is Kevin Durant because he did not want people to see that he had tattoos. Well, yeah, he, he would be exposed. He would be. He would have been exposed for the man he truly is. He would not be allowed into the boardroom. <laughs> no. Oh man. Um are we so going to yeah, talk about trading Steven Adams? Yeah, so first the reason why this is heated up as of late is mm-hmm. there's just been some general rumors. Yeah. There was a rumor that uh the Celtics and OKC had had initial talks on Steven Adams. This one I didn't know about, but De'Aaron Fox's dad did you did you know that one? Yeah, I saw that. He tweeted on June 20th, Stephen Adams will be a nice pickup for the Sacramento Kings, one of the best big men in the league. And then Matt George, didn't we go to a, guy, a school with a guy named Matt George? We Matt totally did. Okay, I want to make sure. Matt George <laughs> of Sacramento Sports 1140 KHTK, he tweeted on June 23rd, I've been told by a couple of different sources now, that OKC's asking price was too high for Adams. Speculation is they wanted a package headlined by Bogey, 
who the Kings aren't interested in moving in that deal. And I feel like that was the tweet that like brought all Thunder fans back down to earth. It's like, wow. So like right now, as it stands, we cannot even get the bone dong <laughs> for Steven Adams. Yeah, I man, I who knows if that's actually true, first of all. But if you're if you're the Thunder, like you're not doing a deal if you don't get him. Like you're just not doing a deal with Sacramento. You know? Like I, I think that's true. Like that's but, just not happening. Because if they're not giving him up, like there's no other trade that makes sense with that team. You know? Like ev- everybody's dream scenario, oh, we'd love to get Buddy Healed. Sorry, you're not getting Buddy Healed. But if you could get Bogdanovich and Bielitsa and a, a future asset for Steven Adams. Like, that's like, okay. Like, that's a good... And you save some money. Like, that's a good... That's a that's a fine trade. It's not a good trade. It's a fine trade. You know? Uh, if you don't get that, then, like, what are, you, what are you doing? You know? Like, it's just yeah. not... It's just not feasible. And so... One kind of uh, prelude to all this, and I, I, did, I guess I just didn't realize this until I was listening to uh, the Hoop Collective, mm-hmm. Brian Windhorst, and he was going through all the free agent centers, and I just hadn't realized how many like average to above average centers there are just as free agents, unrestricted mm-hmm. free agents. Sure. So I'm just going to read through them real quick. And, and when you're when you're sitting at home, just listening to these names, think about how many of these guys might get a less than twenty five million, and b you would consider like a starting level center. Mm-hmm. So we've got Al Horford mm-hmm. who's opting out, DeAndre Jordan, Jonas Valanciunas, Nikola Vucevic, Dwayne Dedman, Demarcus Cousins, Marcus Saul is a potential. We still don't know if he's going to opt out or not. Mm-hmm. Both both the Lopez <laughs> got choked up there. <laughs> Both the Lopez brothers, Brooke and Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Willie Colley Stein, Kevon Looney, Ennis Cantor, and then you and then you go down to like JaVale McGee, Nerlens Noel. But a lot of those top names, I mean, even someone like Brooke Lopez, you know, you, you would think that he's gonna get over ten million. He's gonna be a hot commodity. He's a very modern center. So it's just in order for in order for OKC to extract maximum value for Steven Adams, they're gonna need these teams who need a center to miss out on some of these big guys mm-hmm. and then view Steven Adams as a superior replacement to some of these other mid-level centers that they could be getting. Yeah. And so it's hard to imagine this happening immediately because like we we've heard for a long time now that the Kings are very interest, interested in Vooch. So sure. apparently they're going to go out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so then for them, okay, let's say they strike out with Vooch. At that point, do they decide, okay, well, we obviously really need a center because Willie Cauley-Stein has pretty much said he's not going to be coming back. Do, do we then go for Steven Adams? Are we then willing to make some type of deal that OKC actually wants? Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way it happens. On the other hand, like if they don't make the Steven Adams deal, I think they still want to trim their tax bill. Yep. And so now you're looking at having to trade, you know, a Dennis Schroeder or a Dre, and you're probably having to attach an asset at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. You, you, we, I mean, we, I think we all think some type of cost-cutting move is coming, 
we're all hoping that it's going to be a cost-cutting move that also brings back something. Mm-hmm. That seems to only be a possibility with Stephen Adams. I mean, maybe. I mean, we. You. I don't know. I mean, they've they've got Jeremy Grant with Ersan Ilyasova and a future pick. Right. You know, that turned into second round pick. So, you know, I mean, they can. You just don't know, and you just don't know. Like no one knew what Jeremy Grant was going to be either at the time. It was like, oh, okay. Well, what's what what is he? What position is he? If some people like their first reaction is like, this is Dre's replacement. This is Andre's replacement. It's like, well, he's kind of a big, you know. Um, you just don't know. It's hard to know. I, it would be a little surprising if they just offloaded, especially like Schroeder. Like you're getting something back for Schroeder. Like you're not just dumping him into cap space. Like that's just they're not going to do that. They want to improve this team. Still, they're not going to do. I don't think that they're going to do that. Andre's a, a little bit different. I think that Patterson's obviously very different. Um, but if you're going to deal Schroeder, maybe even Dre, I think that they expect to get at least something in return. But what if they don't? Like, what if the deal is never there and they still need to cut money? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could go there. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't. That's it's not my job. I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, I, I know. I'm just. I, I do think that no matter what. They're going to cut costs this summer. Yeah. I mean, That's who, one who thing is I taking, I mean, honestly, like we had the conversation, like who was taking Mellow last summer? You know, like who is taking on that salary? Like what, like how is that going to happen? Like how are we going to actually, how can you extract value out of that? They just need to wave and stretch him. That will be the most value that they can get. You know? I agree. But on the other hand, like that's another first round pick that's out the door and like, in order for them to trade a first-round pick now, they're out at, like, 2024, sure. probably. Well, and you've got young players that you could attach as, take this guy, and, you know, you can take this, you know. Right. And But the other thing about that deal is that that actually was a cost-cutting move. Like, they did get yeah, it Dennis was. Schroeder back. I, no, not a cost-cutting move. It was a cost-adding move. Because when you think about the wave and stretch for Mello, it would have been like nine million a year, and so they increased that to fifteen oh, million. Oh, compared to that, I mean, it did save them eighty million dollars, right? Initially, but it took on long-term money. Yes, which is not something that they seem they, at least from what we've heard, that they're they're going to be doing this summer. Maybe if you if took on longer-term money, that's on a lower salary. I think that they would maybe do that. Yeah, like just like what they did with Schroeder. Like that's a possibility, and that's a possibility. Like with within a Stephen Adams trade, like you take on a guy that has a little bit longer deal, right? You know. But then even when you think about attaching younger players, like it's I. I mean, we'll have to see what happens in free agency. But it feels mm-hmm. like Diallo, especially, and maybe even Deontay Burton, feel important to this team this year. Yeah, maybe. Because so. when you start when you start looking at this team's depth, I mean, we we're all assuming Noel's going to be gone. I'm kind of interesting to interested Yeah, I don't know why he happens. hasn't opted out yet. I mean, I that could happen today and you're listening to it and you're like, yeah, it already has happened. But it feels weird that it hasn't happened yet. You know, it seems like a no-brainer. Uh, but it's just kind of strange that it hadn't happened yet. Well, isn't it the thing where you, it's like uh if you don't say anything, you opt out? I thought so that his is a I, I thought that his was an opt like he's either going to opt in or opt out. 
Um, okay. And it's going to be an, there's going to be some kind of announcement behind it. You know, Neural Zoel that- plans to opt out of his $2.5 million deal and to enter free agency. Or Neural Zoel is going to pick up his option and remain with the Thunder for the next season. Like, that that report will happen, you know, whether the, or not that it's... And the a, deadline for that is Saturday, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen with Steven Adams. My gut tells me that he doesn't end up getting traded. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't end up getting traded, I have a feeling both Schroeder and Robertson are going to be traded. Yeah, that could happen. I think we've entered we've entered in this this zone where Steven Adams is both highly overpaid but like way underrated at this point. I just think that people forget the kind of value that he can provide to a team and only think about his money and only think that he's not worth it. When honestly like if you dealt Steven Adams and you got a much lesser player back and they start the season, and they're not able to get like any of these good free agent centers. Like he will be missed a lot. <laughs> he brings a lot on the defensive end, and when he has it going on the offensive end, like he's a very productive player. I know, like the very last thing that everybody has in their mind is the is the playoffs, in which he was not super effective on either end. Um. And I don't know if that's a health thing or what what that was. But like when Steven Adams is playing well, he's extremely helpful. And if he went and played for the Kings or he went and played for the Celtics, like you're going to see a really good player. Like he's going to go, he will go there to either place and play very well and be very helpful to them. And you're, you know, Thunder fans are, are very split. On Steven. There are some that are like, we cannot trade him. You know, he's he's one of the better defenders on the team. He's very helpful. Uh, and then you, there's people that are like, he's a bum. And like, to those people, I'm just like, man, you're just not paying attention. Like, you just haven't been paying attention. Um, and so... And the, I, I think the camp I'm in is that I, I love Steven Adams. I en- really enjoy watching him play. But just everything I'm reading online suggests that, like, there's a decent chance that he could be moved. And so I have to accept that reality and kind of look at what that could mean for the team going forward. Mm-hmm. Now, I would I will say that if they did move him in a deal, like, let's say the Kings strike out on Vooch, they make a, a trade for Steven Adams where we get back someone like a Bondong or a, or a Bielitsa and or – yeah, I think that OKC would actually be in a pretty good position because of what I mentioned earlier, which is that there are all of these free agent centers and there's not a ton of teams that are looking for a starting center. Mm-hmm. And so they would be able to convince someone, even if it was on a one year deal, to basically be like, hey, you can come here and be our starting center. We're not going to pay you a lot, but you're going to get all the minutes you want and then you can enter free agency next year. I think that's a potential scenario that could work out in their favor mm-hmm. if they did move on from Steven Adams and maybe they could get it back a little bit more value at that position than you would think right now. Yeah, I mean, you offer Robin Lopez like, hey, man, we can't give you as much money, but you can start here. You can play 20, 25 minutes a game. Right, for a competitive team, which he has not played for in a while. And like, that's, that's appealing. That was that was why Wes Matthews went to Indiana. 
it's not because they gave him more money. It's because he they said, you can start. He was like, yep, that's where I want to go. And you give him a one-year deal. You know, you give Robin right. Lopez a one-year deal. Dude, like, listen, like, you're playing with Russ and Paul George. You're going to be on TV all the time. And people are going to notice you. Whereas when you're in Chicago, like, nobody knew. So people are like, oh, well, Brooke Lopez has a brother? You know? If he plays here, everybody's going to know who he is. It's going to be similar to Portland. He could probably go get a bigger deal next season, you know. Yeah, and so, and so that's the one scenario where I think there there is this hope that even if you traded Stephen Adams, there's a chance the team actually could become better and deeper overall. Yeah, but it requires so many things. You've it, got first. You, you've got to go get another center. <laughs> you know. Right. And, and it first requires a team striking out on some of those big centers where they then view, start to view Steven Adams as not just a neutral asset, but a positive asset. Yeah. And by the way, I was listening to uh, – maybe it was Hoops Collect. Oh, no, it was the the mock free agent. I listened to Dunked On. I was listening oh, to Oh, no. Yeah, man, I I really like their mock free agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, my, actually, now that you mention it, I might listen to it because it is kind of fun. Yeah, and there, it's just so – insane how smart and how much you have to know to be able to do that podcast yeah and to just keep it going but anyways one of the things that was brought up by the person who was in charge of the kings and they weren't talking about it in reference to steven adams but it later became apparent they would make sense is that the person who was in charge of the kings was only looking for two-year deals and the reason for that was because De'Aaron fox and harry giles are both going to be getting their big time offers after two seasons Mm -hmm. so like these next two years don't really matter that much in terms of money for the kings they can take on a lot of money because they have so much cap space but then they really don't want to commit to money beyond two years so that actually works out in steven adams favor yeah yeah everybody complains about his deal but it doesn't go on for that much longer right so yeah it's interesting i know who so we mentioned Brooke Lopez. Like, who else makes sense in that role? Like, I'll I'll just throw names at you, and you tell me if this guy could start and play twenty five minutes per night for the Thunder, because that's kind of what they're looking for. I think that they want you can put Jeremy down at center, and you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, Aaron, what if you could acquire Aaron Baines? Because I don't think that it would cost a ton to get him. Yeah, that doesn't thrill me, but. I know Taylor would be really happy, so I'd be happy for him. <laughs> uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. So I'm actually kind of a, a Willie Cauley-Stein fan. And you would start him and play him 25 minutes per game? Yes. Okay, this is going to be an interesting I, exercise. I would buy into that very quick. <laughs> okay. Ed Davis. No, Ed Davis. I really like Ed Davis. Everyone likes Ed Davis. Yeah. Shout out to Ed Davis's Portland days when no one would stop talking about him. He was <laughs> they were just so excited about Ed Davis. He was getting like six man of the year buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh but no, he cannot I don't think he can be a starting center right now. Okay. Dwayne Dedman, everybody's favorite. Yes. I there's no chance they could get Dwayne Dedman though. He is hot right now, Andrew. <laughs> it's just a hilarious statement. What if you get DeAndre Jordan? No. There's too much he I don't think that's realistic. There's too many other rumors and whisperings yeah. about DeAndre. He was also just blatantly terrible last year. He was, aggressively. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just come on. Oh, what about this? Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying not to let his playoff run sway me too much. Yeah. But I, I still don't think that would be a good idea. I think we would get very excited about it while yeah. in the back of our heads knowing that oh, this probably isn't the best. This is not going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Robin Lopez is obviously like the guy like in my head that makes the most sense for this team. Yeah, in terms of what he would demand in free agency. Because obviously yeah. it would be great to get someone like Brooke Lopez, but that's just not feasible. No, uh, that's not going to happen. But yeah, Robin Lopez, I think, makes a lot of sense for where he is in his career, building back his value, doing it on a cheaper deal, playing for a contender, getting those starters minutes. I think there would be a fit there. And then we we didn't talk about Joakim Noah, which... Noah, I mean, I just wouldn't start him. I'm not going to play him 20. Right. You're not playing 25 minutes a game. What about Nerlens? What if you're just like, hey, Nerlens, like, just come back and you can start? <sighs> I mean, if it's good enough for the Lakers, you know? If they're willing to do it, that should not be a statement that we, that we say on this podcast. Well, they're pretty well run, and, and you know, if they think he's good, I think he's good. Honestly, there's just there's a lot of centers out here, but there's not a lot in that like lower price range that I would that you would start. To be honest, right? And you wonder who of these guys is just gonna like. Valanchunas, I really want to see what happens with him. I don't think this is a, a thing for OKC, but no. he opted out of, I think, $17 million a year. We've talked about it. There aren't that many teams looking for a starting center. Mm-mm. And he is kind of the uh, a ground-bound center, at least historically. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to see what happens with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's getting $17 million. Maybe he would get like a no. four for 40 or maybe like a Nurkic-type deal. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe. know who's giving it to him. If, I, if Memphis gives it to him, like I'm just like, okay, like you just you now, just got a you got, got a jail free card. Like, don't do this. Now, what about what about this one? What if the market just falls apart for Boogie again? Oh my! And we say now, hey, you've you've rehabbed, you're ready to play. What if we gave you starters minutes? We'll let you start for this team. You can play 32 <laughs> minutes a night. Let's go, Boogie. My answer is, heck yes. Hell yeah! <laughs> I didn't How know where fun. you were going to go. <laughs> that would be really fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, because like, I mean, honestly, like, if you're the Thunder and you trade Stephen Adams and you get, like, let's say they do the Bielitsa and Bogdanovich deal. The other deal that's out there that I just know you won't entertain talking about, like, what what does the Celtics deal even look like? For you, I, it, it doesn't exist. And do the Celtics deals only exist because Bill Simmons wants it to happen? Well, not only that, but they only exist right now because they have this cap space. But as we'll talk about later, Andrew, apparently they have plans for that cap space. Yeah. Because if they are just doing a straight trade for Stephen Adams, well, now you're looking at like them having to trade Gordon Hayward. Or like Marcus Smart plus somebody, which I just don't think they would ever do that for Steven Adams. They wouldn't do like Marcus Smart and Shimmy Ojale for Steven Adams. No. I wouldn't do that for the Thunder. Really? Really? Yes. Why not? Why not? I would do that in a second. Why would you do that in a second? That's I mean, it's a big talent downgrade, in my opinion. From what to what? From like more talented to less talented. I thought you 
I thought you graduated from OSU. What's your deal right now? <laughs> I like Marcus Smart. He's a good player, but I don't think he's the same caliber of player as Steven Adams. Oh, man. I love Marcus Smart. He's one of my favorite college basketball players of all time. He, he's great. He's super fun. But I just he shot think... 36.4% from three last year, Andrew. Really? That's cool. That's cool. What's his, what does he shoot in the lifetime of his NBA career? Like it's not, just not that great. Not important. Not and important. Semi Ojale is built. He's built. Thick. He's built like a truck and didn't play a whole lot last year. <laughs> it's a huge yeah. talent downgrade. In my disagree. Opinion. Disagree. I would do that in a second. Would you rather have Bogdanovich and Bielitsa or Smart and Ojale? Um, Probably Bogdanovich and Bielitsa because that is like guaranteed shooting. Like, you're bringing in shooting at two spots on yeah. the floor. Okay. And you're replacing the problematic Patrick Patterson role. Yeah. 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 I think that's a, I think that's a, a fair deal. I feel like you hated that deal a week ago when I brought it up. I feel like you poo-pooed it. <sighs> what ha- what has happened? You've been brought back down to reality, Andrew. <laughs> I looked back. At, I looked more into Bogdanovich. I think he's. In, I think he's more interesting than I thought he was. Yeah, and and plus on the money side, I think he only has. He's an expiring contract. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting player. Like if they did that deal, like I don't think it's a great deal for Steven. I really don't think it's great. I think it's fine. And I think the Thunder, if they can go get Robin Lopez or Boogie, like I think that you find yourself in a better position overall. I would agree, especially especially everything we talked about in terms of replacing Stephen Adams as center. I, th- I think there would be options out there. Yeah, and if you do one of those deals, then like you have the option to rehab Dre or bring him in, and maybe Drake, maybe Andre plays this year. I mean, I don't know. And that would be wild. It would be wild. And, you know, like Bogdanovich also provides you, like, a score while Paul George is coming back, you know, on the wing, which they will very much need <laughs> in his absence. I think that's the point of – that's what Darius Baisley is going to do. Yeah, what would you think of the pick? Uh, I was fine with it because I had no opinion on anything for that draft because I didn't like anyone. Okay. And so I was just thrilled to hear someone <laughs> that I didn't even know their name. That was so exciting. Yeah. And then I, uh, so I, I have I have a a big picture draft thought that I'd like to share with you. Okay. But as I was researching for that, I found the Stepians write up of Darius Baisley from back last summer. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I, so I'll just read it real quick. Darius Baisley has the makings of a really versatile defensive player. Standing at 6'9", the Syracuse commit has the lateral quickness and footwork to hold opponents on the perimeter and has enough length and vertical pop to protect the rim and grab rebounds. On offense, Baisley is decidedly a perimeter player. His mechanics could be tighter, but his shots go in. And while he still needs to work on his shot selection, Baisley can handle the ball in transition and half-court sets. The question we'll be hearing about Baisley during his freshman year, is it Baisley or Baisley? Baisley. Baisley. During his freshman year will be, what is he? Is he a center that can grab rebounds and handle the ball in transition? Is he a wing that might be too tall to defend quicker players and too skinny to cover heavier fours at the NBA level? Here's a way more important question. Does any of it really matter in today's NBA? What does matter is that there's a lot to like in Baisley's game, and if he puts it all together, tightening his shot mechanics and shot selection, we could be talking about the most versatile player in this draft on both ends of the floor. I just thought that was a nice little write-up. It got me a little excited about Darius Baisley. That is exciting. And yeah. and you know 
the fact that he all he did was work with Mike Miller all year. You know, like that's that's what he did. Working on his shot, working on becoming an NBA player. When you're in college, like you're working on first of all, like you have you have to go to class. You have to do all these things. You have to do what the coach wants. You have to fit into the their system. You have to and it's not always the best thing for guys. You know, sometimes it is. I think there's a lot of college programs that are really good for players and make them better. But you could argue, like, when was the last guy that went to Syracuse that was, like, a super impact player in the first round? Uh, You would say Deion Waiters. I would say Deion Waiters. (laughs) That's what I would say. There's just not a lot of guys that go there and just have had a ton of success in the league. Jeremy Grant. Yeah, Jeremy Grant took him forever. (laughs) Hakeem Warwick didn't, but I loved him. <laughs> right, Mello, who's like just like this unique talent, you know. Gary McNamara, <laughs> right? <laughs> Wesley Johnson, no, you know. I mean, like Johnny Flynn, yeah. And so to me, I don't know. Like, if you if you said, "Hey, the Thunder are going to take this guy," if you said this before the college season, would you rather him play Syracuse? Or would you rather him train with Mike Miller to become an NBA player all year? Like, what would you prefer, you know? Yeah, that's true. Because I do think, especially with Syracuse, there are a lot of things that you have to learn that end up just not being come, becoming relevant right. in the NBA. Right. There's so, a lot of things you just have to spend a lot of brain energy learning that ultimately aren't going to make that a big of a difference in terms of your NBA career. Exactly. And so might as well go learn the game on the level that you're going to need to. So good on him. Made a million bucks. Probably got better training than he would at Syracuse. You know, we'll see. We'll see what he is. I'm very intrigued to see what he can do. I think he's a forward. I think he plays a three and the four. Uh, And he's he is interesting. And won't I won't? And you can't even say he won't play this year. Like we don't know that. Like we have no idea what he's going to be. It seems like he won't, but I just don't know. Um, okay, so I have a big picture thought about the draft that okay. I just wanted to share with you. So I was I was sitting there watching Zion go number one, thinking about how every draft expert seems to unanimously, unanimously agree that he is the best draft prospect since Anthony Davis. You know, he's a once-in-a-generation type player, can't-miss prospect. And I was pondering this, Andrew, and it reminded me of what is now the most important thing in my life, the thing that gets me going every morning – First thing I think about when I wake up in the morning, the last thing I think about before I go to bed. Do you know what it is, Andrew? I have no idea what you're going to say. Do you have any guesses? <laughs> Your dog? The double draft. Oh. The double draft. <laughs> okay. I don't know if there's anything I'm more looking forward to than the upcoming double draft, which wow. will be when the one-and-done rule is extinguished and high school prospects are allowed to enter the draft again in that year, which most people think will be 2022. We will have a class of college freshmen and a class of high school seniors all entering the NBA draft at the same time, which we haven't had high schoolers in the draft since 2005, the year you and I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. That was when Dwight Howard went number one over a Mecca Okafor, much to Bill Simmons' dismay. Right. Now, what does this have to do with Zion? Well, think about this. Once in a generation player, he's a can't-miss prospect, best draft prospect since Anthony Davis. That's what all the draft experts told us about Zion. And yet, Andrew, coming out of high school, none – of these draft experts had Zion ranked number one in his class. I looked it up. Jonathan Gavoni had him ranked seventh. The Stepien ranked fourth. Rivals, fifth. CBS Sports, 13th. Whoa. Of 
of all the outlets I could find back, this was last summer when they would publish these, Bleacher Report had him ranked the highest at third overall. So, as if the double draft wasn't exciting enough, consider how difficult it is to scout high school players and how much chaos and variability it's going to add to the NBA going forward. So there have been 45 prep-to-pro players in the NBA. Only five of those were ever taken in the top three picks. Do you have, would, you like to, would you like to try to name those five? So these were guys straight from high school that were taken in the first three picks of the NBA draft. Oh, shoot. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Um, There's a very easy one. Kwame Brown. Oh, wow. Yes. Glad you got that one. That was not an easy one. Um, Let's see. You're going to have to help big, me. Big one. Big one. <laughs> the biggest one. You have to help me out. Space Jam 2. Oh, yeah. LeBron James. Dirk. Yeah. The other time, the other two, Tyson Chandler and Darius Miles. Okay, but I the point is, Darius, yeah. High schoolers are scary, Andrew. People get freaked out by them. At least they used to. KG dropped a fifth. T Mac dropped ninth. Mm-hmm. Kobe dropped a thirteenth. Robert Swift dropped a twelfth. Darius Baisley dropped to twenty-three. Yeah. When <laughs> high schoolers come back in the draft, chaos will reign yeah. again in the NBA draft, and I cannot wait. Isn't that crazy? This guy, Zion. Best prospect since Anthony Davis. No one believed that 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. And that would exactly have been the time when he had been entering the draft as a high schooler. And who knows how far he would have fallen. Yeah. What if you could have gotten Zion at like the 12th pick or something <laughs> insane like that? You might have. And like you'd say, like, man, like the things you'd say is like, man, he's dominating the high school game, but look how big he is. Exactly. And That's what like, everyone was saying. They were like, I don't know what to do with him. Yeah. He can't carry this much weight. He's. Uh, Blah, 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 you know. Um, that's a good thought. That's exciting. Uh, I'm just excited. I'm already excited. It is approximately two and a half years two away. Two and a half years away. Just keep <laughs> keep thinking about it. Okay, you uh, want to do some league rumors? Yeah, let's go. So we're going to play a game. It's called Where He Gonna Go? It's based on when Serge Ibaka in his, <laughs> his press conference said about Kevin Durant, where he going to go? And he was... Then traded, Serge was, to the Magic, and then Kevin Durant went to Golden State. So we're going to play where he's going to go, and we'll talk about uh, some of the bigger players and rumors about where they're headed. Uh, First one is Al Horford. Yeah, so a report came out a week or so ago that said Al Horford had a four-year, $112 million contract offer from a team, and because of this, Boston was unlikely to bring him back. And it was very specific. It was four years, $112 million. So it was. It's been assumed that that team was the Mavericks, even mm-hmm. though Dallas continues to deny it to any reporter who asks. Then yesterday on Bill Simmons' podcast, Mark Stein suggested that some people in the league think that the Horford team might be the Pelicans, Whoa. and it kind of makes sense once you start thinking about it. Like they have room, they have an open starting center spot, they have this young team that they probably want to bring in some more veteran guidance. What do you think about that? <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't even contemplated it and now I'm like uh that kind of makes sense. They'd be really it'd be good, like legitimately good. If you have Drew yeah. Holiday and Horford and then you have all these like young guys developing around them, uh they would with, be legitimately good. And with his shooting, like it kind of makes sense with Zion. Like I it's guess great. how Horford kind of fits with any big man, but if you want to teach I don't like, know, somebody how to be a, it. Yeah, if you want to teach somebody how to be a pro, like 
put him around Al Horford. I mean, it's, I don't think it's a bad use of your money. Yeah. And oh, because, you know, they, they have so many young guys, like, I don't think it'll matter that much. I mean, the next big contract they have coming up is Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Which we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, I'd heard that. And previously, I probably would have just said Dallas because that was the only name that was really out there. But I really do think it might make sense for the Pelicans. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, the other one would be the Kings. Yeah. Again, needing a center, having space. Yeah, that would be so sad if he decided to go there. <laughs> I, I don't. It would be, but on the other hand, like that is a huge upgrade for them. It's a huge upgrade. I still, I mean, maybe they make the playoffs. I still just, I think the West is still going to be really difficult next yeah, season for sure. Uh, Kemba Walker, where are he going to go? So yesterday, Mark Stein also reported that both Boston and Dallas will be quote at the front of the line that will be trying to lure Kemba Walker away from Charlotte. He originally had said that Boston was going to be a, a sneaky, a sneaky whatever. They were going to be sneaky. Stealth. Stealth. They're a stealth candidate to land him. And then he said, you can remove the stealth yep. a little bit later. <laughs> so Boston and Dallas going after Kemba. I, I like the idea of Boston because that's a pretty good replacement for Kyrie. They are a similar play style, but not similar personalities. And I feel like he would fit really well there. He's from Connecticut. There's that connection. So I, I kind of like the Boston idea. The Dallas idea, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't either. But And, and, and they still couch all of this by saying that if Charlotte offers the full DPE five years, that he's probably still going to stay. Yeah. And... <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen with him. Yeah. I'd be a little surprised if he did end up in Boston. But See, I, I think he might do it because this would kind of explain what they were doing during the draft. Because the, the Baines deal was kind of weird at the time. Mm -hmm. um, it was like there had been all this chatter just like two weeks ago about how, you know, Boston didn't think they were a contender anymore, so they were going to bring Baines back with the idea of trading him to a contender. And then, like, some switch flipped, and they realized, oh, like, let's just get rid of Baines. we got to open up some space. Maybe the idea is that they are opening space because they have an inclination that they could get Kemba Walker, which yeah. I would much rather do that than overpay Terry Rozier. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no question. And he'd be but great. Even, he'd be great. Like, I would rather give... Kemba 32 or whatever they would give him than giving Terry Rozier like 15 or 16 mm -hmm. a year over four years. Yeah. No question. So, yeah, so that's one. Um, another one would be Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, where are he going to go? So the Rockets' plans with him have become somewhat clearer. So Woj reported yesterday that the Rockets are eyeing a sign-and-trade sign so we knew the interest in Butler. This report just ruled out the opt-in and trade scenario, which is what Chris Paul did. It never really made sense that Jimmy Butler would do that, um, but this kind of officially ruled that out. If it's going to happen, it's going to be a sign-and-trade. And it is hard to find information on how the sign-and-trade would work. Yeah, there was, a, there was a pretty good write-up on NBA Reddit yesterday, which I was prepared to uh, explain to you. But then I found another one on a different site that also seemed very good and they had different numbers. Mm -hmm. So I don't know which one is right. 
But the, the basic idea is that it would likely trigger this thing called base year compensation where it would be like $32.7 million of outgoing salary to the Rockets, but Philly could only take back somewhere between like 23 and $26 million back in mm-hmm. contracts. That, which means that if it was a two-team trade, meaning just Houston and Philly, it, you could not include both Eric Gordon and Clint Capella. You would have to include P.J. Tucker with one of those two. And you'd have to Be- find a third team for Capella. Right. So if you want to include both Gordon and Capella, it has to be a third team, which everyone seems to suggest that's the most likely scenario, which would be Eric Gordon most likely going to Philly along with some other type of compensation. And then because he has an expiring contract. Yeah. And then Clint Capella going to a third team and you're having to figure all this out. The most interesting part to me, however, is that, as we all know, if you do a sign-in trade, you are hard-capped. Yep. at the tax apron, which is projected to be around $135 million. And based on who they would have left over, so let's say they would have you know, Chris Paul, James Harden, Jimmy Butler. In this scenario, we'll say they have P.J. Tucker. They have Gary Clark. They're probably going to want to keep Isaiah Hartenstein, who, by the way, was the G League Finals MVP. Rockets <laughs> fans are very excited about him. Good. <laughs> if you have all those guys, so that's six guys, you got to fill out at least a 14-man roster, and you cannot go over that $135 million tax apron, you only have about 10 to 15 million, depending on how the trade works out, to fill out all those seven to eight spots. Yeah. Which means you're having to find like deals like Austin Rivers over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Which, good luck. Maybe it could happen. Maybe they could make it work out. But there's so many teams with cap space this summer that it feels very risky to me to put all your eggs in this. We're just going to sign a bunch of minimum guys. Well, and not to even to mention, like, you're obviously having some turmoil on your team. You're going to add Jimmy Butler to that team? Right. That's not even talking about the fit. Like, like I, I would, I'm rooting for this. Like, I want this. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that too many things have to happen. Too many teams have to cooperate. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't think it will. Uh, but I'm personally rooting for it because I don't think it's a great deal for them, you know. And it would, I, th- I think it would be a big mess. Yeah, and even leaving aside the um, potential relationship issues, the chemistry issues, we mentioned this earlier, but Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler miss games. That's just yeah. something they do at this point in their career. They both, on average, are missing, you know, between. 15 and 20 games per year. And so factoring that into this team that could potentially be very thin on the margins, it just seems risky, especially in light of like this whole discussion about have the Rockets been putting too much on James Harden's shoulders mm-hmm. these past couple of years. So I don't know. I still think that Jimmy Butler is going to go to Philly. Yeah. I think Philly is going to offer him the, a bigger, a bigger deal than he could get with the Houston Rockets. And I think all this will be a moot point. Yeah, I think but so too. I think it's worth discussing because obviously we've seen Daryl Morey finesse these kind of deals in the past. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. But yes, I think Jimmy Butler back to the Sixers. Uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, so uh, this kind of ties into the Kevin Durant, which is Andre Iguodala was on the Breakfast Club. 
And he said that in last year's playoffs, he suffered a leg fracture in the Houston series, but that the team was putting out information that he had a bone bruise. (laughs) And I wanted to discuss this because I don't actually think this means what people thought it meant. So I think people misunderstood what he meant, thinking that he's saying that he was misdiagnosed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not what he was saying. He was saying that the meet the team was telling the media he had a bone bruise kind of as gamesmanship keeping it intentionally vague so that Cleveland wouldn't know if he was playing in the finals but that the effect of that is that Iggy felt more pressure to return because everyone around him was thinking he had a much more minor injury and so they were constantly checking like when are you going to play when are you going to play and he felt like he like just felt a little bit more rushed to get back and he actually did end up coming back in the finals and playing in two games and that's the connection he was making to the Kevin Durant scenario. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the, the team knew what the injury was, but they were kind of – they never ruled him out. Like, we talked about how OKC initially ruled out Serge Ibaka in yeah. that Spurs series. They, they didn't rule him out, and a result of that is that everyone thought the injury wasn't as serious as maybe it was. And so we were all just kind of wondering, well, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? And maybe Kevin felt some added pressure as a result of that. Which I think was kind of an interesting kind of take from Iggy. Yeah, that is interesting. Because you have heard some some chatter about like Kevin Durant and the Golden State brass not being on the same page and that he's a little upset. Then you hear people like last night, Woj said that he hasn't heard anything about there being any breakdown in communication between Kevin Durant and Golden State. So who knows? The big question is, do you think that he was he is leaving? And if he is leaving, is it to join Kyrie in Brooklyn? Or is he still going to go to the Knicks? I think that he and Kyrie are going to go to Brooklyn. Yeah, that would seem to make the most basketball sense for him. Because if you're going to the Knicks, that is such a huge legacy and career risk. That is, the op- <laughs> that is the opposite of what you did when you joined Golden State. Oh, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. You're going from one of the best-run franchises to one of the worst-run franchises, if not the worst, and you're going to a team that really doesn't have anything surrounding you at all. Yeah, it's not it's not great. So yeah, the Brooklyn deal makes a lot more sense because they do have, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. Um, they would obviously lose D'Angelo Russell in that scenario. If Kyrie, go to hip- I mean like Jared Allen. Yeah. They, they I think they would be good. They'd be good. They'd be really with good. And without KD. Um, yeah. so yeah, D'Angelo Russell. So if if we believe that Kyrie is going to Brooklyn, which everyone seems to believe, Mark Stein said that was like the most confident he felt about any of these things. Yeah. Was Kyrie going to Brooklyn? So that would leave D'Angelo Russell as an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. There's been talk of the Suns, the T-Wolves, going back to the Lakers. The Knicks. The Knicks. What are you thinking? I'm thinking Lakers now. Oh, my gosh. Like, can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. yes, I can imagine because the Lakers you give up all these picks. Yeah, I think that that's probably that may be where he ends up. Like that wouldn't surprise me. I honestly don't really know. I don't have a good feel for that one. Yeah, but like that could definitely happen. Uh, let's rapid fire because I gotta go. Okay, uh, Kawhi Leonard, where are you gonna go? I'll say Toronto. Yeah, same. Clay Thompson. Let's- Clay Thompson, Golden State. Not believing the Clippers buzz. Get out of here. Yeah, I get out of here with that. Uh, Tobias Harris. Who? So I think Tobias is going to go to one of these other random teams. Like, I can see Tobias on, like, the Knicks. 
Because <laughs> I, I, someone's going to be willing to pay him a max just because there's so many teams with max space. Honestly, if you're the Kings, I would rather sign Tobias Harris than bringing back Harrison Barnes on a four-year, $80 million contract. Yeah, probably so. But it doesn't seem like that's what they're going to do. But, yeah, I think Tobias is going to go to a, a not a marquee team. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I consider the Knicks not a marquee team. Right. <laughs> I think he stays in Philly. I think okay. they'll bring them both back. Uh, Chris Middleton. Bucks. Yeah, Bucks. Uh, Vucevic. Uh, I think he stays with Orlando. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to pony up. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know either. He was but really they, good, though. Like he was super good. And if they if they let him go, all of a sudden, like you're asking a lot of Mobamba in year two, and you're probably setting your franchise back to where they were a year ago, which is not making the playoffs <laughs> right. and getting another lottery pick. Oh, uh, but then like if you have Vucevic, like you're still not really going. I mean, I guess you get back to the playoffs. Like okay, right? Maybe maybe that's the goal. That's just one of the saddest teams in the league. And and on the mock uh, free agency podcast, the Kings offered him two years, $60 million. So oh. like something like that I would actually like for the Magic, where you're just trying to like be kind of good while you finally start to develop some of these young players. Yeah. And, but the idea of signing him to like a four-year oh. deal, oh. I don't like that. No. Uh, last one, Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, who, who was the team... That got rumored with him? I don't know. The Suns could take him, though. Yeah. Uh, I've got to go. Okay, let's do... I like Suns. I like That's, the Suns I like that too. better than D'Angelo going yeah, there. I do, too. Uh, thanks for listening to our show. You can follow Alex at AlBabyCakes. Follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you got some time. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. <laughs>
Now, most NBA fans brushed them off. They focused instead on celebrating Giannis and admonishing the Rockets' main Twitter account for, quote, respectfully disagreeing with the MVP results. But friends, while you slept on Monday night into Tuesday morning, my sources on Rockets' Twitter were slowly uncovering a bombshell so significant that its effects on the league will be felt for years to come. And I have to be honest, when the final results of this investigation were passed on to me by my contacts on Rocket's Twitter, I, I, I was speechless. And, and I should say, before I go on, if you are driving right now, I, I ask that you please, for your own safety, please pull your car over to the side of the road. It, it will only take a minute. And if you're walking to class or work, you're listening to the podcast, please find a bench to sit down. You're going to want to be sitting down when you hear this. Because what Rockets Twitter has found is, uh, I, I don't know how else to say this. There, there are people, okay, in our midst, walking amongst us right now, who call themselves members of the NBA media, okay? These are people whose job it is to cover the league fairly and vote respectfully on these awards. And what we have learned during this investigation is that some of these people, okay, some of these arbiters of NBA opinion do not like James Harden. And frankly, that is unacceptable. Because what, I ask you, is there to dislike? This man puts his team on his shoulders night after night, and still you hate him. He, he can never win with you guys, except for last year. You know who doesn't hate James Harden? Computers. Artificial intelligence, blockchain, Elon Musk, Microsoft Excel. I invite you morons to go plug Harden's stats into any equation, any algorithm, and see what it spits out. Because MVP is what it's going to say. You will like him. You will enjoy his style of play. You will reward him. Math is my daddy. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da